you. Uh, my blessing always is to come and share with you all. A couple of months ago, uh, we had a meeting with uh, Pastor Richie, Pastor Pam, Pastor Stephanie, and others, and we talked about what our sermon series were going to be, the topics of our sermon series over the next year or so. And so I'm blessed to say I'm going to get to participate in that several times over the, over the next year. So it's my honor and privilege to do that. But in that conversation, we were looking at the fact that this is the Sunday before Valentine's Day. Men, the Sunday before Valentine's Day, right? If you haven't gone shopping, it's not fatal, but it's getting critical. You better kind of get out there and get that done pretty soon. But we thought, what a better time to kick off a series on relationships. So that's what we're going to be talking about, Pastor Richie and others, over the next few weeks or so, is about relationships. Now, I'm far from an expert in that topic. Don't ask my wife, but I'll confess. I'm far from an expert on relationships, but the, the Word has a lot to say about it, right? Our relationship, uh, the, the Bible speaks a lot about our relationships with others, but it also talks in terms of our relationship with the Lord. What I believe, this is my own experience as well, that as my relationship with the Lord grows stronger and it grows more intimate and it grows more vibrant, then my relationship with my spouse, with my children, with others as well, co-workers and those around me, becomes stronger and more secure as well. So I think the biggest determiner, right, of healthy relationships wherever they may be, in whatever context, the biggest determiner is what kind of relationship do we have with the Lord. So what we're going to talk about today is how to strengthen that relationship with the Lord, how to become secure in, in our, our intimacy with Him, and that as we do that, we can expect to see an outgrowth of that, right? We begin to see expressions of that in our relationships with others. So Jesus spent a lot of time talking, teaching his disciples and others about relationships. And one of them is a, is a passage we're probably familiar with, but kind of often misunderstood. And that's in Matthew, the 22nd chapter. That ought to come up, but you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew 22, um, verse 35. And, and here's, what, here's what Jesus taught on, in, on this occasion. He said, then one of them, a lawyer... Insert your own lawyer joke there if you want to. It's okay. Take just a moment. We'll get that out of the way. A lawyer asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Right? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, Jesus was not just teaching that if you can love a lawyer, you can love anybody, right? That's kind of the subtext there. But he was teaching something even greater than that. And that is that as we get our relationship with the Lord first, as we get that first, then we're able then to move on to our relationships with others, with our neighbors. He said, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And that's the first and greatest commandment. Okay, so if we just step back and we begin to look at our relationships around us, right, our relationship with our spouse, our boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it may be, our children, as we begin to look in those relationships, what we need to do is also assess and analyze our relationship with the Lord. Is it strong and vibrant? Is it something that you invest time and effort in? Is it a relationship that you're proud of? Right, And as you get that first commandment right, 
as you do that, then you'll begin to see, as I said earlier, there are other relationships come into, into play. The more we express our love for the Lord, the more, the more we experience our love for him, right? Our love for others as well. So Jesus taught this as well in, in John um, 14, 21. If you'll turn there, John 14, 21, it'll come up as well. He said this, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Okay, so a couple of things to see in in that passage by the language that's used there. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, right? So it's this idea that you understand, you know what the commandments of the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, but you also keep them. So there's this idea in that word, the Greek, and the keep, keeping them, there's this idea that you're actually expressing that love. Yeah. Now, we may feel it, you know, and men, a lot of times we may feel love toward our spouses. Women, you feel love toward your husband. But how many of you know, if you don't express that love, that relationship is going to suffer, right. right? It's like the guy that told his wife he loved him, loved her when, he first, when they first got married. Didn't tell her that for 10 years. He said, why have you told me? He said, well, it hadn't changed. It's been the same all that time, right? We need to express that love. We need to let that love be known, particularly men to your wife. Wednesday, Valentine's Day, hello, second notice, right? Wednesday, express your love toward your wife. And, and, that, and women reciprocate that love as well because that's it, what Jesus is saying. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Right? So it's this idea of expressing love. But then he goes on to make a promise, right? There's a lot of promises in the Bible. As Christian was teaching on, it was great about, you know, oh, oh, that's a blessing I want to receive. Here's one that the Lord promises. And here's, here's what he says. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Okay? Will manifest myself to him. Now, there's, as most of you know, the New Testament was written in Greek, Right, And if you really want to dig down into the true meaning of a lot of scriptures, if you'll look at those Greek words, you can kind of figure out. And there's a lot of Greek lexicons and, and different word studies you can do. This word manifest in the Greek is infaneso, right? Y'all don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly because y'all don't speak Greek and I'm just kind of faking it, but it's something like that, infaneso. And so, but it's different from another word that is used about manifesting or revelation. That word is apocalypto. Right? So two different words. Apocalypto is the idea of disclosing something that has been hidden. Okay? That's manifest or revelation, disclosing something that's been hidden. But this word manifest is different. It means to make a clear, conspicuous, visible evidence of something. Okay, clear, conspicuous, visible evidence. So here's, here's what that, that scripture means, what it reads. He who loves me will be loved to my father. I will love him. And I will make a clear, conspicuous, visible manifestation of myself to him or her. Right? So if you want to know more of the Lord, see more of the Lord's presence in your life, if you want to experience more of the Lord, and how many of us? don't want that right I mean all of us yeah if you want more of a visible clear expression of the Lord in your life then what he's saying is then express your love toward him right he who loves him will be loved the father and you will see this clear demonstration of his presence in your life 
I saw this illustrated a couple of summers ago, right? There's this, this commune, right? A group of charismatic nuns, which is kind of interesting, have a, interesting, have a place up near Boys Ranch. They call it Prayer Town. And so you can go up there and have just these personal prayer retreats. It's kind of a little retreat center, and they've got little hotel-like rooms that, that you can stay in there. Pretty, pretty kind of primitive, but it's, but it's very nice and very quiet. And it's just these open heavens. I just feel like, you know, any time I go, I try to go a couple of times a year and just for a personal prayer retreat, and just to spend time with the Lord, just kind of take my Bible, you know, and take some praise tapes or whatever. And, oh, tapes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> CDs, you know, my MP3 player, you know, my iPhone, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, I take music along with me, right? And so, you know, it's just a time of worshiping the Lord and just, just kind of getting alone with Him. And so I was there a couple of summers ago, and it was in the summertime. It's about 6 in the evening, you know, and as happens in our part of the country, about 6 in the evening, this thunderstorm comes up right you can see them coming in for a long time coming in usually from the the west and so I'm over there and I'm just kind of worshiping the Lord I'm out on this this porch this kind of little patio and here comes this big big thunderstorm comes in and I'm just expressing my love for the Lord I mean just just me and him nobody else just worshiping really having a great time and all of a sudden I mean from out of nowhere there comes this huge flash of lightning just boom, you know, just this bright flash of lightning and thunder just right there immediately. You know, most of the times you can tell how far away the lightning is by the time lapse between the lightning and the thunder. Y'all know that, right? There was no time lapse between those. Just like crack, boom, you know, and all of a sudden this big elm tree about 100 yards away just explodes. I mean, just blows up. His branches are flying and leaves going everywhere. I mean, it was just like, I screamed. I was like a little girl. I'll just tell you. I just, ah! You know, it just, it was just right there, flash, boom, well, you know, and, and I was, you know, kind of freaked me out. And so I kind of took a minute and made sure nothing was burned, still had my eyebrows, you know, everything, everything was okay, you know, and wasn't hurt. And I just said, Lord, what was that? You know, I just, Lord, what was that? And I just felt, you know, kind of this impression, kind of an answer. The Lord said, that was just a small demonstration of my power. <laughs> just a small demonstration of my power. But then he said, again, I feel like an impression said, but I still can care and relate to you personally and intimately one-on-one. Right? I mean, that was the, the message that I just got. I'm going, whoa, Lord. I mean, you know, I was loving him. I was expressing my worship toward him. You know, he explodes this tree, you know, <laughs> it's about 100 yards away from me. And it's just... Like the creator of the universe, you know, just sits down this lightning bolt and just goes, you know, Marty, that's just a glimpse. That's just a small glimpse of the power that that I have. But at the same time, I know every hair on your head. I know when the sparrow falls from the ground. I know what you have need of even before you ask me. Those are all promises that are in the scripture. It's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom, right? I mean, it's all this intimate intimate relationship that the Lord has with us, but he's also has just this awesome power. John 14, 15, 7 says that, or 14, 21 says, I will manifest that power to you. I will show you that power. I will demonstrate that power in your life. I will be conspicuously visible, right? Conspicuously visible in your life as you express your love toward me. Right? Great promise. Okay. So then the question becomes, how can I express my love to God? 
Right? What are the ways? What are the methods? How can I go about expressing my love to God? Well, several years ago, uh, I think back in, in like the late 1990s and the early 2000s, a guy named Gary Chapman wrote a book. And the name of this book was called The Five Love Languages. Have you guys, how many of you heard of The Five Love Languages? Read the book? It's called Five Love Languages How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate, right? Sold like a million copies. And the premise of this book, and this researcher, Gary Chapman, the, the premise of the book is that there are basically five categories, five methods in which we can express our love toward significant people in our, in our lives, whether it be our spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend. In this case, he's talking about for, for your mate. He's saying there's five categories, five ways in which that can be done. He called them five love languages, right? And, and for each one of us, there is a primary love language, is what he's saying, and a, maybe a secondary love language as well. These are the two languages, the two means with which we best accept expressions of love that other, other people communicate to us. Okay, kind of our love language, right? And so, you know, for, here, here they are. I think we have them on a slide. Let's bring those up. There you are. The five love languages, right, from Gary Chapman's book. He says, first, words of affirmation. So one way to express your love towards someone else is to give them words of encouragement, give them words of support, right? Words of praise. Those are words of affirmation. That's one of the five love languages. Another one is quality time, taking time out of your life and pursuing the things you want to do to actually spend quality time with others, right? With your spouse, with your, with your uh, children, whatever it may be, quality time. Another one is receiving gifts, just what it sounds like. Nice gifts, nice presents, right? Receiving gifts, that's a, a way of expressing love. A fourth one is acts of service. That's doing something nice for somebody, right? Doing gratuitous, nice things for other people, acts of service. The last one is physical touch. Physical touch, you know, patting, hugging, reaching out and touching, reach out and touch everybody. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's that, you know, it's that reaching out and touch. It's physical touch, okay? So the key is, right, is, to, is that that we typically express our love toward others using our love language instead of theirs. Hello? (laughs) I think, you know, my love language are acts of service, okay? You do something nice for me, I'll follow you anywhere, right? You know, I'm just acts of service. So somebody does something nice, that's a way that I receive love. Cindy's love language is physical touch, okay? You know, she likes shoulder massages and foot rubs and she doesn't get very many of those but you know shoulder massages and that you know it's you'll always you know you're always around Cindy she hugs she reach out and pats you know she's that physical touch that's that's the way she receives expressions of love the problem that Gary Chapman points out and the problem that I've experienced is so many times I'm trying to speak to Cindy in my love language and it's not resonating with her you know so I'm out there hauling out the trash you know Vacuuming the floor occasionally, every night. Vacuuming the floor, you know, doing these acts of service and thinking, "Why, what a wonderful husband I am!" I'm just doing all these great acts of service for my wife. Cindy, in the meantime, is needing a shoulder massage, right? She's needing a hug. She's needing a kiss, and she's thinking, "My, how insensitive is my husband? He doesn't even express it, right?" So that's the miscommunication that takes place between us. The key. This is, you know, something to put in your pocket for Valentine's Day. Hello, and that is. You need to learn to speak in the love language that your significant other best hears, best receives. 
right? So physical touch, yeah, acts of service. So we've kind of learned that, you know, and, and have become more communicative with regard to our love for one another, okay? And so Jesus points this out very vividly <clears throat> in a pack, passage in Luke 7. If you'll turn to Luke seven it'll come up. This is the story of a woman. He, they just identify her as a sinful woman. Okay. Some people say that it might be Mary Magdalene. I don't believe that it is. I think there are separate, separate passages about that. But it's a sinful woman who chooses to express her love for G, to Jesus in a very dramatic way. Okay. And we'll see this here in just a minute. But it's a sinful woman. Look at the expressions, the means she uses. This is what I want you to take from this. The means that she uses to express her love for Jesus. Okay, so Luke 7, 36. Here we go. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house. This is Jesus. And sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house. Brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet, and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Okay, now let's get an understanding. This is a dramatic illustration of how this woman expressed her love toward Jesus. But let's get an, an understanding of the context. First off, in those days, the way that you would sit down to eat with someone is there would be a low table about that tall, a long, low table, and there would be pillows all around them. And the men, sorry, ladies, you didn't usually get included, but the men would recline at these tables. They would lean on one elbow, and they would eat and, and, and in a reclining position. Their feet would be out this direction. So Jesus would have been reclining at the table, and he would have been eating like this. Guys, try this next time, right? That you're in a football game, just lay there on the couch and just kind of recline and eat. It's, be careful you don't choke, you know, it's kind of careful. But, you know. Anyway, so you're reclining at the table, you're sitting there and you're eating, and Jesus is eating, and this woman is at his feet, right? She's at his feet. Now, also understand that it was in a house full of men. Okay, women were considered second-class citizens in those days, and a, sec- and a sinful woman, she was probably a harlot, prostitute, something like that, but in any way, the, the Bible identifies her as a sinful woman, and this sinful woman is in a house full of men, right, a house full of men, and, and owned by a Pharisee. Well, the Pharisees were the religious society, they were the ruling group, you know, and so, so this, this woman is not wanted in the first place, very uncomfortable, very conspicuous just by her presence, right? And so she's there, but she, be, she takes this alabaster flask. Alabaster was a very expensive kind of glass that they had at the time. It was translucent, very expensive, and it was probably full of spikenard, okay? Spikenard is, was a, a type of oil, and so that spikenard was a very fragrant oil. And what you would do with oil in those days is you would anoint people's hair and you would anoint their body and even anoint their feet in in this instance. And it would take care of any body odor. Okay? Not mean to be indelicate, delicate, but whether or not Jesus had body odor is a theological question we'll not go into today. <laughs> right? He was all man. But, you know, they didn't shower as often. They didn't have the same kind of hygiene we did. So they would take this expensive oil, very fragrant oil, and they would anoint 
you know, the person with it. And so that became the, the aroma, very fragrant, very, very nice oil. So she, but it's very expensive. Spikenard was very expensive. They made perfume out of it. And so she took this, she took this alabaster oil, and she came to Jesus' feet. And this is a woman who wanted to express her love to Jesus, right? She wanted to express her love to Jesus. And so she was trying to figure out, how do I go about doing that? How can I express my love to the Savior of the world, to this healer, to the Messiah, essentially? She probably recognized him as that. How can I express my love? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this very costly gift, right? And I'm going to bring it to him, and I'm going to anoint his feet with that. And as I'm doing that, she's kissing his feet, right? She's beginning to weep, and the tears are beginning to flow, and she's washing his feet, and we do know for a fact that Jesus had dusty feet, okay? Because he walked on dusty roads, dirt roads with sandals. And so washing a person's foot, their feet, was considered to be an act of service for them. Something that you did. And, but she's doing that with her tears. And she didn't have a towel because she wasn't in her own home. And they certainly weren't going to loan her one. And so she begins to wipe his feet, the tears, and the oil with her hair. That's pretty intimate, right? But it's also a very vivid expression of her love for Jesus. So as we begin to ask ourselves, are there examples in the Bible of how to express our love to the Lord? That's a pretty dramatic illustration, right? And that's what she's doing. So Jesus takes this story and he uses it. He takes this example and he begins to speak to him. He said, verse, uh, to those that are around, he said, Luke 7, 36 through 39. Um, oh, excuse me, sorry, next passage. Uh, Luke 7, 44. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, the, the uh, Pharisee that was there, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. For she loved much. Now, understand that it wasn't the fact that she expressed this love that caused her sins to be forgiven. It was the fact that her sins were forgiven that caused her to express this love. By there, so it's not all these things were just an outward expression of the fact that she was she was forgiven because Jesus said to her, verse forty eight, your sins are forgiven. Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you, go in peace. So her faith saved her. The expressions of her outward manifestation of her love for Jesus was how Jesus knew that she loved much. And then she went in peace. As a result of that, peace in her life, peace in her relationships, peace, peace in the fact that she knew she was secure in her relationship with her Savior and her God. Okay? So the more secure we become in our relationship with the Lord, the more peace we have in that intimacy and in that relationship with Him, the more we can expect peace in our relationships with others. It's a promise, Right? It's, it's an outward expression. It's an outgrowth of the fact that as we express our love toward him, then he helps us to live at peace with others. And that's what Jesus taught in this illustration. So 
The Bible teaches us in several other places, and I want to take a look at those as we're, as we're closing, about how do we express our love toward the Lord? What love language does he speak, right? What love language does he speak? Well, let's start with the premise that Jesus is not, I mean, God is not needy. Okay, he's not, he's not needy. He doesn't, it's not like, oh, you can only speak to me in terms of this. You know, God's not needy. He is love. So every opportunity we have to express our love toward him, you know, is, is an opportunity for us to speak our love language to him. Right? So it's not a matter of saying, okay, Lord, you know, is this, is this okay with you? Well, of course it is. Because he wants us to use our love language as we begin to express our love to him. So what does the Bible talk? The Bible talks in terms of these different love languages. Look at quality time, right? That's the first one. What does quality time look like with, the, with regard to the Lord? Well, quality time is just like quality time with your spouse or with anyone else. It's just taking time away from what you're doing and spending time with him, right? It's just taking time with him. So you can just, just rest in the fact that you're in relationship with him. It could be prayer. It could be petition. But most of the time it's just being quiet and just allowing the love of the Lord to, to work through you and you to express it toward him. Right? Words of affirmation, that's praise. That's what we did earlier. Right? We just praise. That's what Christian lead, leading us in praise. Those are words of affirmation to the Lord. For the word praise appears over 245 times in the Old Testament. And in the Psalms alone, there's 150 times of expression of praise toward the Lord. So all you have to do, if nothing else, words of affirmation to express that, if that's a a language you choose to, to express your love toward the Lord, just pull out the Psalms and just begin to read those out loud. As you begin to read those praise, it's David singing praises, worshiping the Lord, singing words of affirmation to the Lord. That's how you begin to express. That's one way to express your love to the Lord, right? And in John 15, Jesus talks about acts of service to the Lord. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So anything we do to bear fruit for the Lord, then those are acts of service towards him. Okay? See how easy it is just to begin to express your love to him. And then receiving gifts, we had an opportunity to do that, do that this morning. Bring your tithes and your offerings. But it's also not just money. It's also your time, your effort, your energy, right? Anything that you invest in the Lord. We have a limited amount of time on this earth. And if we give that time over to him, that's a gift that we're offering to him. I find that the more I'm able to spend in quality time and with the Lord, then that's re- he's receiving that as a gift from me. Okay? And then the last thing is physical touch. You're kind of going, okay, this is going to be pretty good. How, you know, I can't just reach out and, and touch the Lord. But Jesus taught us something about touching others, which results in touching him. Look at Matthew 25, 34. We'll close with this. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. You know the rest of it. Jesus says, And the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you? 
or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And he said, answer unto them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. So how do we express our love in terms of physical touch to the Lord? We reach out and touch those that are hurting. We reach out and touch those that are needy. We reach out and touch the wounded, the sick, the thirsty, those that are in need. That's how we reach out and touch the Lord. Okay? So you can choose whatever love language you want to to express your love to the Lord. You can do quality time with Him, words of affirmation and praise. You can give gifts to Him. You can reach out and touch those that are in need. All of those are opportunities for us to express our love for Him. But here's the point. The more we express our love for him, the more secure we become in our relationship with him. And the more secure we are with him, then the more secure we are in our relationship with others.